This episode of How I Built It is brought to you by two great sponsors. The first is our season-long sponsor. Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options. It's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptimes, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer has iTheme Sync integrated into their managed portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. Liquid Web hosts all of my critical websites and I couldn't be happier with them. If you sign up today, using the discount code HOWIBUILTIT33, you get 33% off for the next six months. Visit buildpodcast.net slash liquid to get started. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquid. It's also brought to you by SiteLock. I'm sure you know how passionate I am about the ability to utilize WordPress to start and grow a business. However, did you know that the average website experiences 22 attacks per day? That is, if I do some quick math, 8,000 attacks per year per website. Website security is clearly a serious business, and that's why I choose SiteLock. For those of you who don't know, SiteLock is not only the global leader in website security, but they have maintained a dedicated focus on serving the WordPress community. Their automated cloud-based solutions find and fix threats, prevent future attacks, accelerate website performance, improve trust, and protect reputation. Plus, they have an amazing team of US-based security experts that are available to assist 24-7. This combination of technology and expertise allows you and me to focus on our businesses while they ensure our sites and the visitors are protected from cyber threats. Call 855-759-1108 or visit buildpodcast.net slash sitelock today to get a free quote. And as a special bonus, the first 50 people to call will also get a free extra large site lock t-shirt. This week's guest is Amir Salyefendich. I hope I'm saying that right. I think I said it right on the recording. Uh, and he is the CEO of Doist, the creator of the popular app Todoist, uh, a to-do app that I use and love. Uh, and in this episode, we're talking about a new product by them called Twist, which is kind of the uh, work-life balance answer to Slack, I think is the best way to put it. And so we talk a lot about work-life balance in this episode. We talk about listening to your customers, allocating resources, right? Because at first they were just Doist and Todoist, uh, and then they had to allocate a team to develop Twist. So we talk about all that and more. Uh, we have a part two over on the Patreon if you like this episode. Uh, but how about listening to this episode first with Amir from Doist? Without further ado, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Amir Salihafendich of Doist. You are the CEO of Doist. Is that correct, Amir? Yes, it is, Joe. All right. And you will be talking today about a product that is not Todoist, right? You guys make the Todoist to-do list app, which I'm a big fan of, but you also have a product called Twist. Is that right? Yeah. We just launched it like a week ago or two weeks ago. 
Perfect. So, so that's what we're going to be talking about. But let's start off with a little bit about you uh, and the company and how you came up with the idea for Twist. So basically, we are like a remote first around the world. So basically, like we are a very modern company, uh, like uh, our company than other offices, and you know everybody is kind of like decentralized. So we had like a used Slack for for about uh, like uh, maybe uh, uh, two years, I think, or a year, and it didn't really work for us because like real time communication mixed with like a lot of time zones isn't really uh, good. Yeah, so we wanted kind of like to have another tool and we kind of like look around the, the web and uh, nobody was really offering that. Like everybody was kind of like just copying Slack and copying this real-time model of communication. Gotcha. And that's that's fantastic. So uh, I worked full-time for a remote company where we had people all over the globe. I am located on the east coast of the United States. Uh, I had people in California. I had coworkers in Romania. So uh, I can totally kind of level with this idea. So what's maybe you can you can give us a little pitch on uh, what like what's the elevator pitch for Twist? What exactly does it do? How does it help communications in multiple time zones? Yeah. So basically, like the model is very different from like Slack and you know other chat apps. It's basically like asynchronous first. So this means that you can kind of like go into the system, leave a message and go out. And then, you know, you're not going to lose any anything like or like fear that you're like losing out of some important decisions or, or, or something like that. So like this asynchronous uh, communication model is very, very important. And it's basically like the whole app is centered around it. So you may ask, like, isn't email solving this already? And and it is like email is a, a, a fantastic tool, and we are not really trying to replace it, at least uh, not like overall. The thing we want to replace is like using email for internal work. Uh, you know, when you're working with with, with your own team, because we think like uh, a tool where you have like all of the communication inside it, and it's modern, uh, is much better than like just using email because you know emails has a lot of issues. As we all know, yeah, absolutely. So this is almost so it's almost like a a hybrid of Slack and email, right? You can go in there. We're on a team. I want to send you an instant message, like message. Uh, so like a like a, almost like a synchronous message, except it's not going to get lost in the fray if uh you know fourteen other people are also having a conversation, like what happens with Slack. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. So like uh, uh, threads in Twist are incredibly in- important. So basically you have like threaded conversations and it's like real threads. Like on Slack, you know, they introduced threads a while ago, but it's still like a lot like just, you know, threaded real-time chat. And our threads aren't like that. Like our threads are more like email and less like chat. Uh, yeah. So So basically I think actually it's a very good point that, Basically, taking like the best ideas out of email and the best ideas from like these chat apps, and basically build a tool, uh, a new tool that kind of like merges these models together. That sounds that sounds great, uh, and it's, uh, I mean, you you built this out of a need, which I find a lot of people on the show have done that. They've um, they're kind of scratching their own itch, 
And uh, I know you talked a little bit about the research bit first uh, when you started off. You were using Slack and Slack didn't exactly do what you were looking for. Other tools didn't do what you were looking for. But can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, at what point in your research did you decide, okay, this is a tool that we feel it's worth throwing resources at, uh, you know, for for an internal project, you know, because um, that is something that a lot of businesses have to weigh, right? If you're going to build a product that you're going to use internally and hopefully productize it, you kind of have to front the money for the developers and the resources that are going to be building that, right? Yeah, I mean, for our small company, this has been like a huge investment, like three years of, of work, uh, you know, and a lot of money has been spent on salaries and stuff like that. So definitely, like, it's always a huge, huge uh, deal when you actually do these projects. I mean, the reason why we did it is basically, like, for us, like, Slack isn't, like, only, you know, it, it didn't work for us. It, it kind of, like, created anxiety, especially for me, like, as the CEO and founder. Like I could actually spend all day long just chit-chatting, you know, and uh, I could actually uh, actually also spend the night because there was like no time to actually like, you know, get out of the system and just like relax. Uh, because like if I wasn't there, you know, discussions would continue on and this chat chit-chat would continue on and decisions would be made or like, you know, people would kind of like want my real-time feedback on something. So, so for us, like, it was really a huge frustration moment. And we were just like, you know, there's a huge need for, for, for a more mindful tool to communicate. And we think, like, there's a, there's a real market here and uh, we should just go after it. Yeah, and, and that, that right there is a really great point, right? It kind of speaks a little bit to, to work-life balance because even as not the CEO of a company, if you have Slack and these these conversations are happening – virtually around the clock uh if somebody pings you or you know you happen to see there are new messages it's easy to go in and check you know when i was working uh for an agency i would go in at three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning maybe i woke up to to feed my baby or, or or something else maybe i just woke up i saw notifications on my phone and i had to check them right there which is not a healthy way to live right so uh, maybe this can alleviate some of that too, and 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 forge a better work life balance. No, definitely, Joe. I think like uh, we are kind of like spammed with like all of these real time system notifications. And it's actually very hard to disconnect. So our goal is also like to create software where you can actually like disconnect. You know, be with your baby, be with your family, or just like be with yourself without like really fear or like just being like uh, addicted to 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 these real-time systems and i think like also it's interesting that you know the company that, that made slack like their product before was a game so basically like slack is kind of like a game uh, and you know i don't think it's very positive for for teamwork or for your life uh, or for your productivity and i think also like another thing i'm not sure if you know the book deep work but I can also see like a huge trend and especially like in creative uh, industries such as, you know, development or design or even like writing, you kind of like need to be able to focus hard on something. So like if you're developing something, you know, and you need to solve hard problems, then it doesn't really help that every five minutes you need to go in and like respond to a message or just like be addicted to this system. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a as a programmer myself, I can definitely level with that. You know, uh, when I was working in an office, people would knock on my door all the time and just say, hey, you got a minute? And that interruption would set me back 15 minutes, a half hour, especially if I was like, you know, really, like you said, like deep working on something. And that's that's another really great point. You know, you get these notifications and you can't it's hard to ignore them. Right. So something asynchronous is better for work-life balance, but it's also better for productivity and work. Exactly. And I think like people will kind of like figure this out very soon that, you know, being online all the time and like thinking in one-liners, like this isn't the most productive uh, way of like working or even living. Yeah. So, you know, like I think we are actually very early on this because people still think, you know, like these systems are the best gift uh, to... <laughs> to the modern life, but like we very much disagree with this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that problem is compounded if you have three, four five Slack teams, right? It's just, uh, so, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly. This actually sounds really great. So to, to move on to kind of the next question, well, you know, it's, it's absolutely great that you're, you're a user of your system because you understand the problem you're trying to solve. And then, you're also you're dog fooding your own product is is the um is the saying right but i've also found that you know talking to other people being in a mastermind helps you know uh not being in kind of an echo chamber are you in a mastermind group or are there other people that you've talked about uh as far as features or direction for the product or things like that i mean honestly like at this we are pretty much like very very like i think we are some of the biggest users of our own products mm -hmm. but of course like you know we have a very strong community and very opinionated people and we get a lot of feed feedback so i would say that you know being your own user and like really using the system every day is such a huge advantage so i would definitely like recommend for others that you try to do the same like the problem that you want to solve it should actually be your own problem because, you know, with that, like, we don't need to do a lot of user research and stuff like that because we are, you know, the users ourselves. But, of course, like, we do get input from, from the community, from other people, and then we evolve the products like that. Uh, yeah. So I think it's kind of like a, a collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. And that sounds great. And and that's been kind of another overarching theme of uh, at least season three of this podcast is listen to your customers and listen to your community. Uh, they're the people who are who are invested in your product, right? They're going to keep using your product. And so they're going to offer perhaps the best feedback. Definitely. Uh, yeah. And I mean, something I can really also recommend regarding this is I think you should really be careful with user feedback uh, because like a lot of times, you know, like I think there's a famous uh, Ford quote, you know, like uh, people want uh, faster horses, you know, <laughs> like uh, maybe you know they don't really know what the best solution is so like what we try to do in our case is basically like listen to the users and try to find like the deep problems they are having but not so much like listening to their solutions because you know the user isn't really an expert product designer you know they can't really like foresee how a feature will affect everything else around it so uh, but you know what they know is like frustrations and problems they have and you know like and i think those are the most important parts it's basically like figuring out like where are the problems 
Yeah, that is just a great. And what is like, but yeah. Yeah, that's that is absolutely a great piece of advice. And and I love that quote. You know, if I if I had listened to the people or the public or whatever, uh, they would have asked for uh, faster uh, faster horses uh, and not a car. So uh, absolutely, you're right. And and something I think about all the time with that is. Uh, my brother works at Disney World uh, down in Orlando, Florida. I go there a bit. And something that I will always hear when I'm down there is, you know what Disney should do? And then just something, something, right? Uh, and and it's, it's likely a problem that Disney has thought about before because they're running a billion-dollar business. So there is the frustration of the user, which is certainly something you should listen to. Uh, and like you said the solution is up to the experts to solve, right? So I'm going to tell you, here's my pain point and then leave it to the engineers to figure out, all right, how do we alleviate this pain point? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of problems like what new people like the, the start stuff do is like, they just, you know, listen to user feedback and user solutions. And then you end up like with this, you know, a feature creep and just like product that isn't well uh, thought out. And I think that's a very dangerous path. So I would rather say that you kind of like need to be the editor. You need to like go in and aggregate feedback and, you know, find out like what are the biggest problems right now and then uh, do these things. Yeah. Another problem I also see is that you kind of like have sometimes feedback from people that aren't users that, you know, that they tell you, ah, if you actually add, you know, feature X, then I would actually upgrade or like I would actually start to use your product but I think actually you should just ignore that feedback because you know they are not really users of the system and it's very unlikely that just because you add x that we actually start to use the system yeah that's man that is that is more great advice right it's like asking somebody if I built this would you buy it sure I guess it's not costing me any money now so maybe I'd buy it yeah yeah, exactly. And I think it's much better that, you know, if they actually give you some money and buy the solution, then you know, like, okay, we have something here. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. Uh, well, uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Uh, and so I'm excited to get to the title question, right? Which is, uh, how did you build Twist? And I'm particularly interested because I'm usually talking to developers or designers, people who were uh, very close, hands-on, actually writing code for the product. Uh, I'm very curious to see from your approach how you went about, how Doist went about building Twist. Yeah. So basically, like we actually talk, talked uh, about this idea for, for some months, and then we didn't really start to work on it until we really like discussed it and like figure out, are we actually going to go and do this? And also, like if you read tips, like they would actually never recommend that you start a new product <laughs> because it's just like insane to, to do that. Uh, like you should basically just do like what most others do, like Dropbox, you know, they just do file sharing. Of course, like right now they have some other products, but uh, at the beginning you should never really focus on other stuff. But like we really f felt this urge and then we kind of like committed to this. And what, it, what we did is basically like we collected uh, a small team of about five people uh, like uh, one back-end developer, one front-end developer, one Android, and one iOS, and one macOS, and then one designer. Uh, yeah, so six people in total. And then we just like let them loose and had like this small core team that basically implemented Twist 
over the last three years. And of course, like as we evolved, you know, uh, other like we are uh, a team of 50 people. So like other people stepped in, like other designers stepped in, helped other developers stepped in and helped. So it, it was kind of like a very collaborative project as well. But we had like these six core people really working on it like uh, day in and day out. Man, that's that's awesome. So and and you guys were essentially the stakeholders. So I would love to hear, you know, how did that go? Who was kind of the holder of the requirements? Who did the testing? Like how quickly did you roll out a beta to test internally? Things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think like something that is really difficult right now. Like when I launched this in two thousand seven, you know, you could just like launch some some crappy stuff with crappy design, <laughs> and you would still get the traction right mm. uh, so basically like uh, for the first today's version you know in 2007 i launched like with uh, my own logo my own design like you know i'm a developer so i didn't uh, you know i'm not very good at designing logos or like designing <laughs> uh, web apps so and right now like the 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 level that you need to operate on is like much much higher so like you really need like before you can even begin beta testing, you kind of like need to have a very high level uh, product that has a lot of features. And especially like us, like we are, you know, competing against Slack, which is probably some of the best like product implementation out there. Like it really works well. So the bar is just like set very, very high. Um, so I think like, it's also like one of the problems of, of today's world is like, if you really want to implement something you kind of like need to set the bar very high and, uh, you know, because people will not really switch or even try it out if the quality isn't very good. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually, I'm not sure if that's answered the question. I, I, but I, you did. So actually you did raise a, a good point here that we can kind of circle back to. And it's, uh, it's very timely because I just finished reading the book Positioning by Al Reese. Oh, that's an amazing book. Yeah, it's a it's a really great book and and you you brought up a good point from that book which is if someone's on top, people are always likely going to think of that person or that company as on top, right? Coca-Cola versus Pepsi uh or IBM with the computer uh versus anybody else trying to get into the computer or conversely, when IBM tried to get into copy machines, uh Xerox was the people on top for copy machines, right? So you do have to put out a pretty high quality product if, if you're going to compete and get people to switch, especially because Slack is uh, widely, widely used. So kind of circling back, it sounds like you guys probably, it sounds like maybe using Slack or some other internal chat tool, uh, you you drew up requirements for Twist. Is that right? Yeah. I mean... The, the the to tell you the truth, like we are never really like doing stuff by like requirements and like processes and stuff like that. Um, so basically, we kind of like had this uh, vague idea of what we wanted to build, like focus more on asynchronous communication uh, instead of like real time, and you know stuff like that. So basically, like you know, how could we actually build a mindful product? that, you know, let us like work deeply on, on problem. And then you can like go back into communication mode and don't feel like you have missed something important, an important decision or an important discussion. So, so those were like the core requirements for us, uh, but we didn't like really, you know, put it into the ink or like just like made very detailed specs or something like that. We just kind of like had 
uh, this idea and then the designer, you know, started to mock up. We started to mock up the API, implement some of the APIs, implement some of the clients and then evolve the product that way. Uh, yeah, I think like it's very hard, especially like if you kind of like want to innovate uh, and come with what like like we'd have done is basically like a whole new communication model. Like you can't just design everything up front or like spec everything up front and mm -hmm. just implement it. You kind of like need to implement bits, see how they work out and then iterate more on it. Gotcha. And and I mean, this perfectly goes back to a point you made before, right? You You had the pain point of the user. And now it was up to the team you put together to come up with the solution. So it sounds like you followed your own advice in building Twist. Yeah, I think that sums it up quite nicely, Joe. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, so this product has been in the works for three years. What kind of transformations did it go through? Uh, you had these fairly loose requirements. You knew kind of the why you were building it. And, uh, you know, I've been on software products or projects that have deeply transformed over the course of six months or a year. So, you know, what I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what the big additions to Twist were from, you know, day one to now. Yeah, I think like uh, when we started off, actually, we only had threads and threaded communication. But then we kind of like felt it lacked something. It lacked like a human touch and like, especially for like, personal one-to-one -one communication, you know, threads are kind of like not that great. So that's where, where we basically like uh, went out and like looked at how could we solve this problem. And we basically implemented like messenger-like interface, or like WhatsApp-like interface inside Twist that kind of like makes one-to-one -one or like group, group conversations much easier and much nicer. Uh, so I think that's probably like the biggest evolution that we had is basically we figure out, okay, maybe like only having threads, it's not really enough. Like we also needed to have conversations and like a more conversational style uh, interface. Gotcha. That that sounds fantastic. And so uh, Twist is available for mobile as well as the Mac. Is that what you said? Yeah. I mean, we have like a web, Windows, Mac, Android, and iOS. Uh, yeah. So I think that's also something that's like really uh insane right now is like you kind of like need to implement five different versions uh and if you really want to do something great you know they need to be different versions so like you need to use you know the ios toolkit for ios and android toolkits for android so it's kind of like insane like you like we have basically built five different products and not just one and that's why it has like taken us uh three years to implement this yeah, that's that's really interesting, actually, right? Because again, I, I mostly talk to uh, WordPress developers, and so we have a pretty narrow—not narrow. Narrow is maybe not the right word, but generally, we're building stuff on the web, and WordPress just released uh, the REST API, and and so we can do more. But you know, if you're building an app like Twist or Slack or even Todoist, you know, so, like a the web view that talks to an API is perhaps not good enough if you're building an interactive app, right? Cause that you could have done that. You could have built a web interface and bring it up in a web view on iOS, Android, Mac and windows, but you, you wanted more, right? You wanted to create that high level uh, product because you're competing with Slack. Exactly. And I think like, even if you're not competing against Slack, I think uh, it's kind of like required 
if you do apps that you kind of like do them natively because the experience will just be so much better than like a wrapper. Yeah. So, so, you know, that's like also some of the things that is much harder right now is, uh, you know, when I started to do this in 2007, it was just like a web app. Right. And right now, like you need to do like three or four apps uh, <laughs> to kind of like just enter the market. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, in 2007, like web apps, like web 2.0 was all the rage, right? Like you could create a really good web app and that gave you a leg up as far as competing goes. Exactly. And so this was actually like one of the uh, like first task managers to implement like web 2.0 mm-hmm. features. Yeah. Man, that's how far we've come in 10 years. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, we have uh, we're we're coming up on time, and uh, I've got two questions I love to ask. Uh, and the first one is, what are your plans for the future of Twist? Yeah, I mean, um, we basically like want to enter this market, and we kind of like want to really associate the product with like mindful communication, and like really going all in into this space. So basically, like our uh, vision of of the future is uh, the one where, you know, people can have a great uh, work-life balance where they can do like these uh, projects in deep work that kind of like move us forward and where not everything is just like real-time and chit-chat and one-liners and like just, you know, like fast thinking, but more like slowing things down and uh, helping people think better and do better work and, you know, live a better life. Uh, So... Yeah, that that would be it, I think. Man, that that sounds great. And that is that is a wonderful vision, right? And a great answer. You didn't just say, we want to implement this feature. You said, we want to change the way people are communicating and we want to make it a more cognitive activity, I, to, to kind of paraphrase what you said. Uh, and that is definitely something to look forward to. So, I, you know, I'm definitely going to... I haven't tried out Twist yet, but... I'm definitely going to. Uh, you guys have a free plan and an unlimited plan, so I'm going to get a couple of friends together and create a free team and see what uh, and see what this is about because it sounds awesome. Please do and please provide feedback yeah. when you when you do it. Absolutely. Uh, and so the last question I like to ask is: uh, Do you have any trade secrets for us? In, uh, for twists or just in general? I mean, you've been doing business, you know. Uh, on the web successfully for about 10 years now. So uh, if, if there's something pertains to that or with twist or communication or just in general, it's whatever, whatever you want to let us know here. I mean, I think uh, we are kind of like living in a revolution right now. And this uh, revolution is called remote work. And I think it will actually change how the world operates. I think we are already seeing this right now. Like some of our positions, you know, we get like thousand applications for like a single position. So I think like we we will see huge changes in the world due to remote work. Like it's the first time in the history of of humanity that you can kind of like get an amazing job, and it does not really matter where you live. Like you can live very far away from that job. Like it was never possible before, and I think this will like change how people live their lives, how they, they optimize, you know, for this work-life balance. So, you know, you can like have an amazing job and live like on a beach or, you know, live in the mountain. Like there's endless possibilities. And I think like 
the, the current way that the, the world is structured, you know, having these hubs where people uh, live like miserable lives, like most of them. Uh, I don't think that the future secret is basically like do stuff uh, for remote work and, you know, move remote work forward. That uh, that sounds great. I'm a big proponent of remote work, as I feel most of the people, at least in the WordPress community, are. And uh, I man, that is uh, that's a really great way to end the show. So uh, thank you, Amir, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I, I do want to ask uh, one more thing. And if it's uh, for my Patreon listeners, I like to extend the interview a little bit. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions about Todoist for my Patreon listeners? Sure, Joe. Take it away. All I right. would love to do that. Great. So uh, for anybody listening to this show, if you want to hear the extended interview with Amir, head over to patreon.com slash how I built it and we'll talk all about Todoist. And if you don't continue the conversation, that's okay too. I want to thank Amir for uh, coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I feel like this was just a half hour of trade secrets. Uh, He had so much great insight about work-life balance and running a business and all sorts of other things. I really, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, And I enjoyed the extended interview too over on Patreon. So uh, again, if you're really interested in Todoist and how that was created, head over to patreon.com slash how I built it. And it will be available to anybody who pledges $5 or more per month. So thanks again to Amir. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. And thanks to our sponsors, Liquid Web and SiteLock. Make sure to check them out because they have been big supporters of the show and they are absolutely great companies. So uh, until next time, get out there and build something.